would take the scriptures, take your copy of the Bible, and we're going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy 3. And I love my local church. Amen. I know that people say, well, you don't need to go to a local church. No, that's not scriptural. It's not in the Bible. The Bible says, as we heard earlier, Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. And we know that, uh, that there are many that have closed their doors for good. But I love my local church, and I love the church, meaning the body of Christ. The body of Christ throughout the world. Because it's not just about Milwaukee. God has a worldwide kingdom. And we see that um, there are many other people in other countries who do not speak the same language as us. They don't have the same culture, but we speak the same spiritual language. And that's always a blessing to get to interact with those who we have a language barrier with, but we can still have that relationship in the sense that we know that they're saved and they know we're saved and we ha- we're on the same page. Amen? And I've been there. I've been to other countries where we don't speak the same language, but we're on the same page and we're going in the same direction. And I love the body of Christ. I love God's family. Jesus loved the church enough to give himself for the church. He died for us so that we could be forgiven and live. He died to satisfy God's wrath, and he did. And what is there left for anyone to do except trust Jesus Christ and be saved? The requirement is narrow, and the welcome is broad. I love that word, whosoever, in the Scriptures. I I quoted John 3.16, for God, and you can quote it with me, for God so loved the world, the cosmos, not just the creation, not just the, the, uh, the, the, the land, the terra firma, but God so loved the creation and the sense of human beings, mankind, cosmos, people. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. His only begotten, say it with me, Son. His only begotten, His only begotten Son. Okay, you're getting it. For God so loved the world, quote it with me, that He gave His only begotten Son that whoso believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. There's a lot in that verse, isn't there? There's a lot being said right there. For God so loved the world. You can put your name in there. That He gave His only begotten Son, who is Jesus Christ. There is only one way to the Father, and it is through Jesus Christ. We're not being unkind at all. We're just being honest. There's not another way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. He was not a prophet alone. Okay, Jesus is God's Son, and He is the only way to heaven. And uh, He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, I love that word, it's a broad invitation, whosoever will may come, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, should not die, but have eternal, everlasting life. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whosoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 12, 46, I am come 
uh, I, I, I am become a light into the world. I am come a light in the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide or live in darkness. You don't have to live in darkness. If you're living in darkness today, it's because the devil, the, the, the enemy, Satan has blinded your heart. But God loves you. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning that you don't have to live in darkness eternally. Acts 2.21 And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be... You, can know, you know the next word. You can fill it in for me. Shall be saved. And I love the church. I love the church. Not the building. <laughs> because I've been in churches that didn't have a building, but they had church. <laughs> and they had a good church. But I love the church because, number one, our church is not about us. I'm I'm specifically, or as the one preacher I heard say, pacifically, okay? I was thinking about that as I was trying to say it. It came off the tongue wrong. Specifically, I'm talking about our church, our local church, Souls Harbor Baptist Church. This assembly, not the corporation, not the entity, The church, the body, the people that are here, and some people have come and some people have gone, but this is still our church. We're still one. We're a group that have have purposely gathered here for the edification of the body, for the reading of the word, for the preaching of the word, for the baptizing of believers, for the carrying out of the Lord's Supper, for the advancement of the gospel throughout the world. And our church is not, number one, our church is not about us. Because we are by nature self-focused beings, aren't we? Every, everywhere we go, we're focused on self. If you're not aware of it, you might disagree with me this morning because you're not aware of it. But if you're not aware of the fact that you are focused on yourself, just carry that thought with you this week and audit yourself. <laughs> okay? Say, am I, really, am I focusing on myself right now? When you, have a, when, you, when you get angry with somebody, who are you focused on? Yourself. When you're not forgiving, who are you focused on? When you're not loving, who are you focused on? When, you're, uh, when you are choosing to do something selfishly, you're focused on yourself. Okay? Uh, if you're choosing not to come to church when you probably should be here, you're focused on yourself. When you're choosing to uh, do something for yourself rather than your spouse in a situation where you should be taking care of their need or you're taking care of not taking your children's needs, you're focused on yourself. And when you're focused on what people think about you, you're focused on yourself. Okay, I think I lost a couple of you there, okay? I know that that's what we're... <laughs> we're getting into the preaching now, okay? <laughs> so uh, those of you that aren't, didn't come from the preaching, you can turn your hearing aid down. Uh, but um, the rest of us turn your hearing aid up. And, uh, but our church is not about us, and I'm thankful for Souls Harbor. We're trying the best that we can, the best that we can, the best that we can to not focus on ourselves. Now, we're, we're human beings. That's our na- that we're bent that way to focus on ourselves. But as a church, uh, we have ministries and outreaches, and we have a spirit here, which is more important than any kind of ministry. The spirit is one of focusing on Jesus and his agenda above our own. And Jesus' agenda does include you, but you're down the list. It includes others first. Amen? Jesus cares about you, but he wants to do something through you, not just for you. He did something for us so he can do something through us. Amen? And uh, so we need to recognize those this morning who minister to the forgotten. 
We have several ministries who minister, and, and many times they're in the forgotten ministry, I should say. Put it that way. Uh, those that clean the building. Those that clean the building. Those who decorate. Don't you appreciate these decorations? We heard about that this morning. Thank you. And, uh, and, uh, and, and they came through again this morning. Amen. And Valentine's Day. And uh, I love my church Sunday. We're thankful for those. But many times those are things that are taken for granted. We're thankful for the AV ministry. Audio video. When you're not here, you appreciate it. Now we've seen 107 uh, in church. But there was over 40 different connections online of people watching. So that equates to probably 40 plus people. 40 plus. So uh, we're thankful for what they do, keeping that going. I'm not here to mention names specifically, but I want to recognize those ministries. Those that work in the office and do clerical work. How about those that work in the library? The bus ministry. See, I'm bringing these things to mind because we, we many times forget about what we're not. We forget about ministries because we're not in that ministry. But it's here. Uh, I'm not forgetting about the ushers. I'm not going to mention them right now, but we're going to move on here. So you're coming. Don't worry. But many times ushers are forgotten about, so they're going to double mention today. Number two, our church. Number one, I like the fact that our church is not about us. It's about others. But also, our church has been productive. We haven't been marking time here for 36 years and just existing and just taking up space, but we've been doing something. We're seeing results in our city and we've st- because we've stayed in the city. So many churches have left the city and they might have nice buildings and they might have a lot more people, but they're not in the city. So I'm not worried about being marginalized because I'm, I'm used to that. We've been marginalized by being, oh, you're in the city. I <laughs> somebody, another pastor in the suburb. Well, Paul Hoover, he's a good guy. But I'm, I guess somebody has to go to the city. Hey, it's all right. It bothered me for a, a month or two, but then you know what? I realized I'm here. You're here. So many people that live in the city want to get out of the city. And I, I understand that. I'm not here to criticize them. But what I'm saying is, is that we have been here for a long time. And God has sustained us. God has been good to us. But we, and actually you, have made that possible. I want to recognize those that have been here for those years. Now, some of you weren't at the first service, but I know Brother Norm's here this morning. I was wondering if you were going to be here today when I was preparing for this, but I didn't want to put a bug in your ear because I didn't want you to come for the wrong reason. But Brother Norm was here at the first service. Uh, the Sadas were here at the first service. Now, Mrs. Sadas with the Lord now, but the Sadas were here. Is anyone else that I'm not remembering? Anyone else? The Sadas? All right. The first service. Uh, there's some people that have been here for maybe not 36 years, but you've been here 35 years. So that's just as good in my book because that's me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I haven't even been here 35 years yet. I was nine months uh, before I turned 35, I guess you can include that. But this, this year I will turn 35 in October. And so I've been here now 35 years, but I wasn't here the whole time. Some of you were here the whole time and you were here under my dad and you've endured me. And so I'm glad that you're still here. And then I love our church, not just because it's not about us, we've been productive, but our church helps my family and it helps your family. And I'm thankful for the nursery workers, those that faithfully serve in the nursery. That is a forgotten ministry, amen? And, uh, but we don't forget about them when the babies are here crying. 
<laughs> and, uh, and distracting, even though we love them, but they're distracting sometimes because we got business. We got God's business to deal with on Sunday. And uh, we, we are thankful for the nursery workers. I'm thankful for uh, that ministry. I'm thankful for Sunday school teachers. We have, I believe, 11 Sunday school teachers now. And some of you have just become Sunday school teachers. You did it with fear and, and intrepidation, but you're doing a wonderful job. And I'm so thankful for you. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful ministry to our church. Junior church workers, we're thankful for you. Let's hear it for the junior church workers this morning. Amen? And uh, thankful for you. Number four, I love our church not just because it's uh, for my family, but it's a loving and caring church. Sometimes we get accused by, I've been accused, so I've, it wasn't said to me, it was before I was even here, but somebody said, oh, Souls Harbor is not a loving church. And somebody, somebody thankfully, one of the staff many years ago, they turned around and said, no, it is a loving church. And uh, they put them back on their heels. But that's what we need. If somebody starts complaining and bickering and, and, and just, you know, having some bad spirit about Souls Harbor, you know, if there's a real concern, if there's a real need, let's fix that need, okay? But if somebody's just complaining just to complain about a church and say we're not a loving church, they're not aware of what this church actually is doing, okay? Don't, they don't know what the church is doing, and sometimes we can get in a bad way, can't we? Sometimes we can start complaining, can't we? Sometimes I start thinking that way. Yeah, Souls Harbor's not a very loving church. But guess who's part of Souls Harbor Baptist Church? I am. You are. And so what do we need to do? We need to make it a loving church. I can't do anything about the complainers, okay? Except I don't listen to them. Because it's not good for my spirit. Because when people start complaining, and it's about stuff that's not true, guess what they're doing? They're lying, and I can become deceived myself. And we, we, we like I said, we're bent that way. Our old nature, our old father was and is a liar. I'm thankful for the nursery. Our church is loving and caring. We have nursery workers that love and care for our children. I'm thankful for the ushers. They love and care. I hope they love and hope they care. And, uh, and uh, sometimes the ushers are considered the face of the church. So be loving and be caring. I'm thankful for the kitchen workers, those that help with the family fellowship. This is a loving, that's unusual. A family fellowship, when people come and they enjoy a meal here as a guest, they say, well, that's wonderful. I wish my church did that once in a while. And I say, well, we do it every Sunday, and they can't believe that we actually do that every single Sunday. And I, sh- I shouldn't say we, it's you. Thankful. I'm thankful for you. Number five, our church is a diverse church. That's unusual. You know, somebody said once that the most segregated place in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. The most segregated time in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning because everybody goes to their own cultural meeting, their own church. But I'm thankful for diversity. It's not something that we're trying to force, but it's something we want to allow God to do and bring people in and make them feel comfortable here. Our church is diverse. I'm thankful because our church is committed to missions and church planting. We're committed to missions and church planting. 20 years ago, a ministry was founded through our church. 25 years ago, actually. Was it 25? Has it been that long? 97? 25 years ago? 
inner city Baptist missions, and now it's over 50 some church plants that have been helped through inner city Baptist missions. That ministry was started out of our church because we're committed to church planning. And, and that, that didn't start with me. God put that in my heart from what my grandpa was doing and what my dad was doing. And, and we're still involved with that. And we want to give more to missions and do more around the world because it's not just about the cities of America. Uh, we have a great need all around. And I'm so thankful for the church, but I'm going to tell you this morning, the church could be gone just like that. This local church could be gone just like that. Next week, I'm sorry, next month, next month, a month from today, four weeks from today, March 13th of 2020, so two years ago next month, that was a day, at least on my calendar, that a lot of things changed. March 13th was Friday the 13th. How many of you remember that Friday the 13th, when COVID overtook our city and our country. And it was two years ago. And uh, the schools, many schools closed their doors not to reopen for months. Many businesses closed their doors. And sadly, many churches closed their doors and some have never reopened. CBS News reported just recently, Wisconsin churches close their doors and shift virtual again as Omicron spreads. You know, after two weeks of that garbage, I said, you know what? God didn't call us to live in fear. God didn't call us to just meet virtually for church. The body of Christ is essential to you and my friend, the body of Christ meeting and assembling, because that's what church means, by the way, called out assembly, ecclesia. But the church assembling is essential, not just to you as a believer, but it's essential to this community. It is essential to the state, this country, and the world. And we are reaping the fruit of closing the churches. You wonder why the crime rate is what it is? Look at the city of Milwaukee and all the churches that have closed out of fear. And some churches haven't had Easter or Christmas services for over two years. And we shut down for a week or two until we started realizing what was going on. And I know that we were trying to be careful because we, don't, we, we have a brain and we have a heart. We understand that there is an illness, a disease, that, a virus, a germ, or whatever, that is, ha, has taken its toll. But it was made worse because of the fear that was given to us by the world, by the government. And we know that... Uh, there was a time where we, we were closed, but we, not, we never really actually closed the doors, to be honest with you. We never really closed the church because we used to have food pantry twice a month, but since COVID, it's been four times a month or once a week. It was every other week, now it's once a week. We, we doubled that. 
We, uh, we reached out into the community and tried to do more. Uh, we, we had services online already, but then we started holding parking lot services. Then we had Easter service here in the parking lot. We tried to do what we could. It was, it was, not, it was met with criticism. It was met with, with uh, anger at times. And there was people that even in our church that couldn't understand, why in the world are we not taking this seriously? And I believe that we made the right decision because we were just trying to follow God's call to have church and to stay open. Because while I looked around at the world and saw what the world was doing, I saw that the abortion mills never skipped a day and they never closed down. The church shouldn't have closed its doors. I'm sure as Paul reflected on his life in that dark, dreary dungeon in Rome, boy, his heart was glad and when he thought about his son in the faith the son that he had in the faith called Timothy. But Paul recognized that the days were becoming darker and the night was there and he was enveloped in all of the ungodliness of Rome and yet God called him to go there because it was the greatest city of that day and all roads lead to Rome as they say, but all the roads that lead to Rome also lead away from Rome. And so Paul knew if he got to the city where God had called him, that God would do something great through him. But in that dark prison, as he was awaiting to be executed, he told Timothy about the increasing evil in the world when men and women would become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God, and they wouldn't tolerate sound doctrine, and when people would pursue the false teaching and philosophies of of the world. And and Paul said he, he, he warned him. He warned him that these things would begin to infiltrate the church. Humanistic thinking, ungodly thinking, religious thinking, just doing works and trying to appease God, focusing on all the externals and not the internal needs of people. But chapter 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul talks about days of depravity, verses 1 through 4. He says, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And you think you're talking about the kids that live today. Maybe some of them are in your own house. I don't know. Disobedient to parents. Go right to that verse and tell them what's coming. And... Uh, Blasphemers, proud, boasters, covetous, lovers of their own selves. You know, I don't, I'm tired of the excuses. I don't know about you. I'm tired of the excuses. Why I'm not living for the Lord. You love yourself. You love yourself more than you love God. You said you liked our church because of the truth that comes out, okay? But there's some unvarnished Non-candy-coated truth. The reason that you are not living for the Lord is because you love yourself. But guess what? I'm so thankful that God doesn't just give us a uh, judgment. Because you're saying, don't judge, Pastor. That's not kind. Don't be judgmental. That's not nice to be. This, is, this turned into a love fest to a judgment fest. I don't like that. You know, that's not very nice of you to be that way. Well, my friend, I'm so thankful that God doesn't just leave us with that. As the Bible says, in wrath, remember mercy. And God's always merciful and gracious to his people. And when we find out that we look in that mirror, as James said, we shouldn't just say, oh, well, that's just how I'm going to be today. And we, and we just go on our way. 
My friend, I'm so thankful that we didn't wake up this morning and just look in the mirror and say, I'm not going to brush my teeth and brush my hair and, 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 and wash my face and take a shower if I need to or whatever. And we just said, well, that's just, that's just gonna how it's going to be today. They're just going to just love me the way I am. <laughs> Nobody in their right mind would have done that. So if you did that this morning, you must not be in your right mind. <laughs> and so um, and some people have, you know, at some point you just don't care, right? You know, it's just like, eh, it's fine. But when we go to church, we want to be presentable. You know, we want to relax. It's hard to relax when you're self-conscious about all those things, you know. But that's how we live spiritually. It'd be wrong for us to just look at our problem and not do anything about it. That'd be wrong. And so when God says, hey, there's something wrong with you. You care more about yourself than you do about me. You're living for yourself. Then we need to change. Verse 3, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, they don't have self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Well, you see there in verse number 3, uh, without natural affection. Well, that's not just talking about homosexuals. That's talking about without family love is what he's saying there. Without natural affection. Uh, if family speaks of the love of a man for a woman, yes, but also the love for a mom has for her children and her, her own children. And we see that in this world right now, as things are getting worse and worse, uh, we see that, uh, there's, uh, that there's a generation of people uh, this thought process is, is even infiltrating the church. That there's a generation of people that don't care about their children. They don't love their children. And, and they, don't, uh, they, they think of their baby as more of a burden than rather than it being a blessing that it is. And there's people that are killing their babies without natural affection. Because that is the most unnatural thing for a mother to do. We should be giving our lives for our children. Many people care more about a spotted owl and some, some dog or cat than they do about a precious little baby. Park there a while, but we'll move on. So not only do we see days of depravity, we see days of deadness. Verse number 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Days of deadness. So many people trudge to church on Sunday morning and they go through the rituals. You know, they sing songs and they have, they have service. But my friend, just because they call it a church doesn't mean it is a church. Just because you have church services and you have a church uh, name, that doesn't mean that we're having church. It's ritual. Wrote prayers. Because they don't know about the reality of Jesus Christ. Because my friend, Jesus Christ is what is who makes all the difference. Jesus is the one that makes a difference in your life. He's the one that will bring joy into your life. He's the one that will bring joy and peace into your home. He's the one that will bring joy into the church. He's the one that breathes life into our cities. 
And I know that we can look around and we can see the days of darkness and depravity and we can see the deadness in churches and we can get discouraged and we can get depressed. But my friend, there is hope. And God has sent revival before. And I've not given up on revival. Because the worse it gets, the greater the revival is going to be. That's how I look at it. (laughs) And uh, so many people just are content with the rituals of church. And that's why our, our generations that are rising up in churches do not come to church anymore. I know that uh, a well-known pastor on the West Coast who said they've lost... And that, now, this is a church that implemented rock and roll before that was a thing in church, even. They implemented the, the heavy charism- or, uh, uh, contemporary music into their church as a way to reach people. Now, we understand that we do things sometimes. We, we, we love people, and we want to do all that we can to reach people, but, my friend, we can't go into sin to reach sinners. But he said, with all of that, what they were doing for the youth, and this was a megachurch before megachurches were megachurches. And he said that they're losing the next generation, and he, they don't know why. They're leaving churches. And his, his idea was that, We're just trying to give them a cheap imitation of the world. And they'd rather have the real thing. That's a sad, sad thing to hear. Oh, it's days of deadness. But we can't can't try to form and formulate and fabricate the power of God in the church. He says there in verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And Paul says, from such turn away. From such turn away. Don't even read their books. Don't even buy into their philosophies. Your best life now. Well, I'm not living for my best life now. I'm looking for a better life in heaven. I understand there are some things that we do eat the meat and spit out the bones. But we need to filter everything through the Word of God. The Word of God. Adrian Rogers has said, It is a culture without Calvary. It is form without force. It is formalism. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Uh, Verse number 6, we see days not only of deadness, but we see days of difficulty. Verse number 6, and we see persecution is coming to the church. Amen? And we need to prepare for some suffering. Some people are saying, well, I'm looking for the rapture. Well, I am too. And I hope the Lord Jesus comes back before we're done with this service. That's okay. It's okay to look to the rapture. But the rapture is not some kind of a, a, an escape hatch, you know, for us to just get out of some trials and tribulations because the great tribulation is coming, but we're going to go through perilous times right now. Verse number six For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts. Of course, I'm going through a lot of material here. We don't have time to, 
to break down every single verse. But I enjoy expository preaching, but we're trying our best just to, uh, to bring out the point of persecution. Look at it with me. Verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest or seen by all men unto all men. And as theirs also was, Janus and Jambres, they were exposed for the frauds that they were. Verse 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. You've seen how I've lived. My life is different. I've got the Holy Ghost. I have the Spirit of God inside of me. Verse 11, I also went through persecutions and afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. He was stoned and left for dead. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They're, they're going to suffer persecution. Days of difficulty. We need to prepare for the suffering that's ahead. Now understand, we're not going <laughs> to, don't get me wrong, we're not going to roll over and allow the evildoers to do what they're going to do. How many of you are going to, you're going to let the commies come and take your children or your wife or your husband? Now, some of you men are pretty tough, but some of you women, probably, you probably defend your husband. You know, they're not going to come and get your family. I'm not going to let it. I love people, and I'd, I'd witness to anybody. Somebody asked me the other week if I preach at a funeral. Somebody I'd never met before, and this couple had only visited our church. And sad to say, their 34-year-old son had, had, had passed away. And I went and preached the funeral, gave the gospel out several Several, several uh, prayed and received Christ as their Savior at the service. Praise God, somebody had already planted the seed, I'm sure, there. And I got to water it and see the, the fruit there. But I, I've said before, I'm not going to marry everybody. But I'll bury anybody. Because it's an opportunity, as long as they don't <laughs> say I can't preach the gospel. Because it's an opportunity to preach the word of God and to, and to get the gospel out. And uh, we see that uh, we not only have days of deadness and difficulty, but lastly here, we're going to continue on. We have days of deception. Days of deception. Verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Days of deception. Deceiving and being deceived. Sometimes things sound so good to the ears. Sometimes we think, well, you know, that guy, he's got it together. He knows what he's talking about. It all adds up. Except when you bring the light of the Scriptures in, into play, uh, exposes some fraud, exposes some, uh, some holes, and you find out, guess what? That's not biblical. But many times, because it sounds so good, they entrap people and they take people with them, deceiving and being deceived. And my friend, there's some people out there that are preaching a false gospel and they don't even know it because they've been deceived. There's a lot of Jehovah's false witnesses that are faithful to go out and knock on the doors and uh, you can always spot them. You know, they're all dressed up and they've got a briefcase and they're kind of just dragging along. 
Whereas I don't want to be that way as a soul winner because we have a mission. You know, we're out there to do something. We're not there to fulfill an obligation. We're there to go with the Great Commission. And I want to go with purpose. And, but you can always spot the Jeho- Jehovah's Witnesses because they, they just kind of drag along. My, by the way, this is not a day to bash the cults, okay? I'm not trying to do that, but we're just trying to expose the fact that, that uh, they're sometimes... They're fertile ground for salvation, for God to work in their hearts, because you know they, they they're interested in 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 uh, in uh, maybe studying the Bible, but they got brought, they got took in by somebody, somebody deceived them, and now they that are deceived are now deceiving others. Let us not fear anybody when we take the gospel, because we need to go with the power of God and the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said. All power is given unto me to commission you in the gospel. And we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, as Mark says, to every creation, every creature, every soul needs to hear the gospel. And that is our calling to go and preach the gospel. And so you need to do that and I need to do that. As we see the days of depravity, deadness, difficulty, and deception, where do we find the answer? Verse 14. Paul says, what do we do about all of this? You know, you're pretty depressed by now, right? We're we're depressed. Can you imagine Timothy reading this letter, and he gets down to verse 14, and he's thinking, Paul is in jail, and he is, uh uh-oh, he's going to have a John the Baptist moment, you know? Are you really the Christ, or do we need to seek for someone else, you know? And Paul Paul says, uh, verse 14, he said, now get it, he says, but... Say it with me, verse 14, but, okay, say it again, but, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, okay? Uh, Paul says, hey, listen to what I'm telling you, listen to what I'm saying, you need to continue on, you need to not give up, you need to not quit, He says, not from a child. See, you learn some things from me, but you also listen to your mom and your grandma. He said that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Praise God. The Bible is what makes all the difference. Oh, so many people are afraid of the scientists. My friend, I'm not afraid of scientists. Oh, yeah, they might be smarter than me, but they're not wiser than me. Uh, We have the Bible. I'm not afraid of what some little uh, PhD has to say. I'm not worried about it. He says, you have known the Holy Scriptures. They're able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. See, all the world has is, is all that the world has, but we have Jesus Christ. We have the Scriptures. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I wish we had time to break each one of these words down, but it's pretty awesome what what we find there. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect and truly furnished unto all good works. Oh, amen. And uh, we see that the answer is there, but continue but continue thou, but continue thou. He was very specific. He said, all right, continue if you want to. No, he said, but continue thou. Come on, Timothy, you need to keep on going. Continue in what you've been taught and what you know and what you've been assured of. I I, I like what I heard this week from uh, Brother Joe Arthur. He said, it's not what I don't know, 
But it's not what I'm not assured of that keeps me going. It's what I do know and what I'm assured of that keeps me going. And that's what he said there. He said, continue in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. 2 Timothy 1.12, you go back a page or two in your Bible, and we see in verse number 12, uh, Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I love that song. That's the... uh, uh, I think they've changed the intro to Adrian Rogers' radio program, but years ago it was, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Our soul is that great invaluable treasure which is committed to God against the day of judgment. Praise God, I am saved. Praise God, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I didn't say if you've been baptized. I didn't say if you've been uh, sprinkled, uh, if you've been a member of a church your whole life, if you've known God your whole life. I understand there's some people that never wavered. They grew up believing in God. But I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know that you know that you know that you've been born again? And I'm so glad that what we have in our soul, the most valuable possession that we have is our eternal soul. And we've committed that to God. As Paul said, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against the day of judgment. The blood of the Lamb of God has washed me and has made me a child of God. So glad that we have the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Have you been washed in the blood? I'm not talking about some formal uh, class that you took about the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about some kind of, uh, maybe you read the Bible and you've heard about this. I'm not talking about you grew up under preaching and, 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 and there was a day maybe you even were dunked and baptized. But have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Is your faith 100% in Jesus Christ? It is the Word of God, the Spirit of God. But ultimately we look at Jesus the Son of God, and the fact that He shed His precious blood on the old rugged cross for me. I'm not going to cut that out of the preaching, my friend, because too many people are trying to water down the gospel. They're trying to make it more appealing and more appeased. Oh, yeah, we we don't talk about the blood at our church. You know, that's not not very kosher. You know, that's not very... (laughs) That's not very nice. I've already warned you about the deadness and the formalism. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. See, you can't pay your way. You can't buy some indulgence. Get into heaven. For as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot. You know why we need the blood of Jesus Christ? Because the life of the flesh, Leviticus 17, 11, is in the blood. I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Oh, that was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. See, the law was not something to be kept as much as it was something to show us that we can't, we can't keep God's law. Okay, But the Jews, they thought, well, I'll just try to do my very best to keep God's law, and then he will be pleased with 
with that and I will have my ticket into heaven. But no, my friend, the law was to show us that we needed a Savior. And the, the, the blood sacrifices was to show us who the Savior would be. And Jesus Christ, we see in Hebrews 9, 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Romans 3, 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus has provided redemption for all of us. I was blessed this week to go down uh, and, and, and get to hear some good preaching and some good uh, singing and, and some encouraging things. And I made up my own list because I couldn't remember exactly the list that uh, one of the preachers was going through talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. But he said it's redeeming uh, blood. I know he said that and he said it was atoning blood. But I know also that the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing blood. It is pacifying blood for uh, John 1.29. It's reconciling blood. It's justifying blood. It's emboldening, empowering blood. It's accessing power blood. It's healing blood. It's overcoming blood. It's insulating blood. It's saving blood. It's possessing blood. It's restituting blood. And it's what can wash away my sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, there's a difference. There's a difference in, in uh, uh, you know, uh, having church where we go and we, uh, you know, say, well, this here wine is the blood of Jesus. Where is that in Scripture? Like this turned into the blood of Jesus Christ? But my friend, I know that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins If you get washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, meaning, I know that's figurative language, but what I'm saying is what the Scripture tells us is that our our sins are cleansed completely by the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't have to keep going to church to get to heaven, okay? I know that's bad for business here, but I'm just saying, I'd rather you come to church And the Bible says that we should come to church because we want to, not because we need to to get to heaven. And I understand we invite people to church so that they can hear the gospel and we can um, and we come here so that we can grow. But this has nothing. Taking communion has nothing to do with going to heaven. It's for the ones that are already on their way to heaven. Amen. And we had Lord's Supper last Sunday. So uh, I'm so glad that we get a constant reminder of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And thank God that the day you got saved, you were washed in the blood of the Lamb. Your sins were washed away. You mean saved. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What does it mean to be saved? Saved. Saved. Well, ask Somebody in here, they'll be happy to tell you, I'm sure, but I'm going to tell you right now what salvation is. The Bible says that we're all sinners. We're all sinners. Not one of us is an exception to the rule. I know that sometimes we think that, and sometimes we think our children are perfect, and they've never done anything wrong, right? Until they turn two days old, and then you realize that they have that sin nature too. And... uh, it's always a shock, you know, first-time parents. And uh, they're just precious little children, right? And uh, we have that scrapbook for that first one, and it's always the biggest scrapbook. You know, that thing is probably like three or four volumes of pictures and 
You know, that's how we used to do it. We don't do scrapbooks anymore, or some people do. But, you know, that first one, it was like that in our family, that first baby. And when I say my family, I mean my sister's. Because we don't do scrapbooks. Too many bad memories tied in with those scrapbooks, you know, with all the times that they got, I got passed over and my sisters got all the attention. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, this is my therapy this morning. But the first, the first kid always has the biggest scrapbook. Why? Because mom and dad have time. <laughs> and number one, they care. <laughs> and, uh, and they got all the pictures. You know, by the second one, you're like, huh, we've already seen this. We don't need to take a picture of it, you know. By the time you get to the last child, they may not even have a scrapbook. So it's like small, medium, and, or large, medium, and small, right? And then non-existent. And uh, so with me, I did at least get the small scrapbook. So I'm the third born. I'm thankful for that. But um, the Bible says that we're all sinners. Even the little children. Even, even that precious little A.J., who is at least precious on the video this morning. That was nice, you know. I see the other side of him. And uh, me and AJ, we bond, you know. He, he's a daddy's boy, whereas Silas, he, he, he loves me too, but we always joked with him, who do you love? Do you love mom or dad? Um, uh, he's thinking, am I going to get in trouble for my answer? And, and he's, I love mom. I love mom. We understand what they mean, I think. And, uh, but AJ, he's a daddy's boy. And... I'm going to have to work more probably on my relationship with Silas and and Callie than I will with AJ, because that comes naturally. But even little precious AJ is a sinner. And I'm thankful that uh, before they reach that age of accountability, if they die, that we know that God has mercy on on the children. Praise God. There's one consolation in the 60-plus million babies that have been aborted in our country that I believe that they're in, in heaven today. But even a little child is a sinner, and there comes a point where they realize that they're a sinner, and they're breaking God's law. The law of God is written on our hearts. We, that's how we know what's right and what's wrong. Besides looking at the Bible, we already know in our heart. We're all sinners. No exceptions. And it started with Adam and Eve, and it was passed on to us by nature. Sin, curse, is in all of us. And the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He's not going to say, well, you were pretty good. You were, you were, you were pretty good on earth. You know, you didn't uh, steal. You know, you, you didn't uh, kill anyone. You know, you didn't, uh, you didn't even cheat on your taxes. You know, you didn't. Uh, sorry, you know, I had to get that out there. You know, it's tax season right now. Right, Miss Annette? And where's Miss Annette? Yeah, missing that. And, uh, uh, you know, you're pretty good, so I'm just going to let you slide. You know, that's where the Catholic Church came up with the idea of purgatory. Because, you know, they were a little, they, they, they were a little mischievous, you know. And so they're going to have to go to purgatory for a while. And they're going to have to atone for their sins. And somebody's going to have to pay and pray to get them out of, of purgatory so they can go to heaven. But God eventually will have mercy on all of those that went to purgatory. They're not in hell. No, 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 no. That's reserved for Hitler, you know, or somebody like that. The Bible says there's only two places, heaven and hell. And the only way that we can go to heaven is through Jesus Christ, as I've already said this morning. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus died, shed his blood, sinless, spotless, righteous, holy, perfect, atoning, nothing but the blood on that old rugged cross. And the Bible says that he was a gift to us from God. Jesus, God and man at the same time. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, now get this, but God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he have to die for us? Because you can't pay for your sin. I can't pay for my sin because I'm a sinner. All my, all my righteousness, the Bible says, all my righteous works, they're like filthy rags to God. You know, you love your children, but there's sometimes where you're like, you know, I love you right now. You need to go take a bath, all right? You need to. But it's worse than that with God. See, because God's perfect and holy. And he sees beyond the outside. He sees the internal. He sees the spiritual. He sees our soul. And he knows us because he created us. But my friend, we're not all God's children. Because we're born into this world as the devil's child. Because we're serving self and we're serving Satan until we come to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, what do we need to do? You say, you can't go to church, you can't work your way into heaven, you can't get baptized. What do we need to do to get to heaven, pastor? Come on, tell us. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's all? Yes, that's all. Anything else would be uh, apostate. Anything else would be false gospel. And the Bible says something even more. It says that, when we get saved, he keeps us. Because if I, if I somehow could lose my salvation, then guess what? I must have had to have earned it. <laughs> and so I didn't earn my salvation. I received it as a gift. Praise God for God so loved the world. Don't miss it. So simple. There's so much in that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you that question. Are you saved today? Not have you been saved from a car accident, because I know I've heard that before. Well, God must love me because I must be going to heaven because I was, I was in a near-death experience. My friend, that was God's opportunity. That was the grace of God saying, you need to get saved. Saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. It's number, uh, do you have that? We have that song? I want you to sing that. We're going to sing that this morning. It's number 52 in our old hymn book. I'll give this to you. The words will be up on the screen if you need them. But I want to give you an opportunity to come to the altar and get saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I love the church. I love the church. I know you do too. I love the church. But more than I love the church, I love why we have church. I love being saved. The blood that Jesus shed for me. If you know this song, you can sing it with me. The words are up there. Let's stand together. We'll have an invitation. We'll have an invitation. I'm going to pray in a minute, but first we'll have an invitation. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. Some of you that have been at Souls Harbor long enough, you know that, uh, you know this song probably. 
But let's sing it out to the best of our ability this morning. And you come to the altar and let's pray. If there's somebody that needs to be saved, I've got two of our, uh, our young men down here that are going to take the word of God and show you how to get saved. And get that settled once and for all. You need to get saved. Don't put it off till next week. You don't have next week. You don't have tomorrow. You need to get saved today by the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgiven. Forgiven forever. I love that. Let's sing it out. The blood that Jesus shed for me. Way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength. From day to day, it will never lose its power. On the course, it reaches to the highest. It reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. Let's, ha- let's ask God's blessing on this invitation time. I know we're preparing for a baptism and the service is going long, but that's okay. You're still going to eat today. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's a good meal. Looking forward to that. But let's focus on spiritual things for a minute. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask if you're not saved, you come. As soon as I say amen, you come. And talk to one of these men down here in the front. Come and get that settled this morning. If you're a Christian and you just want to thank God for his goodness to you. And you thank God for his blood. That's, that's a, uh, definitely something we need to come and pray and ask God. Uh, thank God and then ask him for help this week. To live for him because of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for the precious minute or two that we had here this morning to just reflect. Think about how bad things are. But the fact that we need to continue, continue, because we're not just some organization, God. We're your plan. You the creator. We're your plan for the world right now. (laughs) Somehow we're looking at the government. (laughs) But the church needs to be the leadership in this thing. I pray that you help us as one church We're thankful we're part of this local church. But, Father, I pray that you help us to just make an impact right here, but then to influence some others and get some other pastors who are discouraged right now to do the right thing and to lead their churches, to lead their communities, not to be led, but to lead. Father, Lord, I pray that you'd give us some direction here in our church, Lord. Help us as we're seeing some good things happening. But, Lord, we're just right around the corner from the devil's attack. And, Father, I pray that you'd help us to be, uh, to be cognizant of that. As the Bible says, to walk circumspectly. And Father, help us to be aware. Aware that we're in the devil's nest right now. We're making him uncomfortable. But, God, you're still in control.